All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And today we are reviewing the 2005 film Kingdom of Heaven because God wills it! God wills it. (laughs) Uh, Man, this... You see, uh, I see what they were going for. And let me just start off with that. A big historical epic. So, you can't, uh, for our dear listeners, you can't really see it, but my colleague Jonathan has an interesting choice of names for the recording of this. Would you mind elaborating? So our, our recording program's a lot like Zoom, where you get to just put whatever name you want in your little speech bubble. And uh, my speech bubble name today is uh, Liam Neeson Makes Me Moist. Interesting. <laughs> did it did it make you moist that he's in this movie for like 15 minutes? Oh, absolutely. I, I love Liam Neeson. I like the part when it said he got shot in the balls. <laughs> that was a that was a quippy little snapback he had there. Yeah, I once fought that. I once fought with for two days with an arrow in my testicles. Yeah, and I love how the main that was a meant to show how the main character got good at sword fighting. When he practiced once, they got ambushed, and then he's suddenly able to hold his own against numerous knights. Right. I thought there was uh, going to it, be a, a different sword fighting kind of joke put in it, there, but I'll put that on the back burner. But I it, to be fair, this is Orlando Bloom. So maybe he just knew how to sword fight, kinda. There's I'm I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between knowing how to wield a sword and working as a blacksmith by trade. Well, when I was looking up stuff on this film, uh, I forgot which like movie review site it was, but they're like Orlando Plume, Plume, Bloom. <laughs> no, no, you were right the first time. Uh, plays a black soldier, former soldier who turned blacksmith. I'm like, I don't remember them ever establishing him as having been like a warrior pre blacksmithing career they didn't they didn't but man this fucking guy cannot catch a break his wife dies but well commits suicide before the movie even begins <laughs> that one cocksucker comes into his shop and is like, <laughs> your wife's dead. And the most predictable thing in the world happens and Orlando Bloom kills him and inadvertently burns down his place of work, becomes a fugitive of the law, falls in with Liam Neeson. Okay, that's a bit, actually a bit of good luck there. But like five seconds into his training, he gets ambushed by other people. Then he gets shanghaied off to an adventure and jerusalem then his ship gets sunk on the way there gets into another scrap and then against all odds he makes it to jerusalem (laughs) just this the sheer conga line of bad luck this one poor blacksmith has i just am i the only one that's bothered by the fact that so yeah his his journey to jerusalem definitely like it's a movie we're getting the the spark note edition of his his journey there but i was like okay so this dude's a blacksmith he gets one tutelage seminar in the forest that's interrupted but now and then he gets knighted by his dad that he didn't know was his dad and the combination of the like we're going to need a montage. Montage. <laughs> got to do a lot of training. You got to do it fast. Going to need a montage. Even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> yeah. Like the Team America, like you only need a, like we only need the one scene to establish that he was given some form of training. 
and suddenly he's like a badass getting knighted that makes him like a proficient warrior and like he's like the part where he gets to jerusalem and he just happens upon other knights of (sighs) the the territory that he is now the the baron of the baron of ebelin right Anyways, he runs he runs into the knights that he's basically supposed to be in charge of. And their their quirky little test is like, what color was his eyes? Like the original Baron's eyes. It's like just because you know the color of his eyes doesn't mean you know shit about him or like And that's such a stupidest test ever. That's such a mundane thing that I almost never pay attention to. Partially because of the, you know, ADHD thing, but also because, well, gun, gun to your head, what color are my eyes? And I know you can't. Fucking brown. Okay, yeah, brown's always a safe bet because, okay, yes, they are brown, but it's like, what, what, 60% of the world has brown eyes? I don't know what the statistics are in Europe per se, but is that not a safe ballpark? (laughs) Yeah, I mean that that is fair. <laughs> you you're gonna be right three out of the five times you use that card. But so so this tiny little training montage establishes him as like a warrior he he is now privy to be a baron, which granted, don't get me wrong, by the, the methods of like the medieval world like obviously there's a lot of people who get titles and positions that they're not qualified for because of lineage and whatever but like he shows up to his new little territory that Um, he's in charge of and like we get this like building a well scene and then like and then even goes even further on into the movie when you know we're jumping ahead now, but when he's setting up the defenses for Jerusalem, it's like, when did this blacksmith become a fucking civil engineer? Like, yeah, is like, I'm I can suspend my disbelief and say like, okay, maybe, maybe there's some overlap. Like if you make swords all all day, you're bound to like swing one or two around. Right. It's just, it's just something you'd know how to do, but what's the overlap between blacksmithing and civil engineering? And mind you, it, it, it was his own shop. So he, I guess he would have some experience managing pro projects and business, but that's a, well, quite a few orders of magnitude smaller than managing a city and not only a city, but one of the most contended, if not the most contended city on earth. Right. Oh, and and don't forget where he he's also operating on like college professor level philosophy too. Yeah, yeah, and I and he plays chess in one scene, I believe. I will say the the chess scene between balian and king baldwin was probably one of my favorite scenes in this it was just it was very well written and obviously like it sets up uh a point of contention between the two later on but i get this is supposed to be like the holy land is so inspiring and all that stuff but i i would have to say this is like one of the most philosophical movies we've ever watched yeah. And King Baldwin is probably one of, my, one of, if not my favorite character in this. I know that's heresy to you because Liam Neeson's in this movie, but deal with it. Everyone's um, allowed to have their own favorite character. <laughs> everyone's allowed to their opinions, even if they're blatantly wrong. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, shit. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. And yeah, King Baldwin was my favorite character. And yeah, the chess scene is good for philosophy and whatnot. But I'd just like to add as a side note, 
I'm kind of tired of chess being the go-to game to establish that a character is intelligent or to like mirror conflict between two characters. It's just dumb. Can we have two characters in a movie playing Warhammer 40k or something? God, or, like or just tic-tac-toe yeah or just tic-tac-toe or connect for something hilariously mundane like show me a character playing mousetrap <laughs> have you ever had a game of mousetrap that went well like show me a character playing mousetrap and making it work and i'd be like god damn that is one smart and competent character Chess is overdone and boring. There, I said it. Don't tell all the people who love Queen's Gambit about that. I watched a bit of King's Gambit. King's Queen's Gambit, whatever. I think I got three episodes. I got to whatever point that her like adopted mom figures out she's a chess prodigy and starts profiting off of it. But like I said, I want a parody movie where it's Warhammer 40k instead of chess. <laughs> the neckbeard's gambit. <laughs> and got... go ahead. No, you, you continue your thought. No, oh, no, I guarantee it's more profound. Oh, I was just going to move on to another question, but. Oh, well, yeah, and Ed, it was Edward Norton that played King Baldwin in this, right? Was it? Look that I'm pretty sure it was. Holy shit, it was Edward Norton. Yeah, like I didn't know that on my on when I watched it, but I like looked it up later. King Baldwin played by Edward Norton. I was like, huh. Fuck me tender. And I love Edward. Mm. I love Edward Norton, but apparently he's notoriously hard to work with. In what way? Like he often clashes with other actors and directors on how things should be done and yeah stuff like that he apparently he's quite contentious and disagreeable and again i've never worked with the guy nor even met him all right sure. twins beat the phillies but anyway I'm, I'm glad to see you're so focused hey shut up i get notifications on my phone for this like the when I got my f new phone last year, before that I'd been using the same phone since 2016, and I was I had like no storage on it whatsoever. Like I kept having to delete a lot of pictures if I wanted or needed to download a new app. I'd delete. I'd have to delete one and carefully manage my data and whatnot. And then I got this phone, which has a shitload of storage on it. So now I can have as basically as many apps as I need. And the freedom is nice. <laughs> and it actually has battery that I don't need to recharge all the time. Hmm. Not that could be helpful. But anyway, back to the movie. They didn't have phones back then. No, could you imagine this story if they had like instant notifications? <laughs> instead of the chess scene they're just playing like trivia crap <laughs> candy crush together fucking iphone darts <laughs> uh and instead of a blacksmith he runs a podcast on <laughs> medieval weaponry And yet, the conversation a, in this movie and that that exists on the internet seems eerily similar. He's a, he's a Bitcoin miner. <laughs> oh, what like, does their opinion matter? They're Saracens. Like, he stabs the dude that is giving him grief because the e-girl he simped over died. 
and then he stabs him and he falls backward into the server which starts his apartment on fire <laughs> apparently so we watched the theatric release version of this uh apparently in the director's cut um that guy who is just some ran like he's just like the random town preacher and you're like man the town preacher is really kind of a dick but in the director's cut of this you find out that that dude is actually balian's brother so that adds a whole nother level where it's like okay my brother's giving me shit about my wife dying and then he tells me that he cut her head off before burying her and also he's telling me that she's in hell like that makes way more sense when he goes to stab him <laughs> and it's like yeah I feel like that's something that could have been left in the theatrical release to to make that transition a little better. Yeah. There was quite a bit cut from this movie, wasn't there? Because like the director's cuts like what, three, three and a half hours, and the version we saw was two and a half. Yeah. There there's a lot missing. So much character depth just gone. A million voices cried out. I wonder how many like other actors were in this that we didn't even know about because of the cuts. <clears throat> Although maybe we're giving too much credit to the director's cut. I bet there was a lot of crap that got cut out too. That if you were to watch is like, yeah, yeah. I want the seven hour version of this movie. Bro, I want the real time version of this movie where it actually takes several. Well, well, well how, how long was he in Jerusalem? Had to have been like a couple months, right? I think this had to have been at at minimum a year that he was there. OK, yeah, I, I want a year long version of this movie. Damn it. But. Kind of, uh, as an off note, that is actually a real type of movie, like real time movies where the time span takes over the course of one and a half, two hours, and the movie's one and a half or two hours long. There aren't imagine, many of those movies. Imagine if 127 hours was 127 hours. <laughs> imagine it's from The Rock's perspective, then it's like 108 million years. <laughs> now's my time uh, to shine i can't remember what it's called but we watched it in film class where the movie's about an hour and a half long and it's about this aging sheriff of a wild west town that gets wind that bandits are attacking so he tries to round up a posse to help him but everyone else candy asses out and they're like oh i i can't fight i i my wedding's next week and i don't want to die and <laughs> i'm such a pussy and <clears throat> and no one will help this poor old sheriff and then he ends up 1v8ing the entire gang and kills them all and then like everyone's congratulating him but he's not smiling and he just takes off his badge throws it at them and walks away that movie stuck with me <laughs> And also that we can add that movie to the list as soon as I remember what it's called, because that's a war on crime, right? I suppose it would be. Man, <laughs> we've been putting off that debate on what's a war movie for a long time now. Oh, actually, speaking of which, I got a new recommendation last night. Hmm. Uh, my good buddy Steiner recommended, I think it was Star Trek six or one of the Star Trek movies star trek six i don't freaking remember man but it's up there and it, it it has to do with the war between humans and klingons so it is a war movie in fact more so a war movie than a lot of the <laughs> things we have on the list oh fair we we can add it <laughs> put it I'll, up for I'll debate ask him which star trek movie it is but god damn it i'm off on a tangent again what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, the lengthy well digging and building scene, which 
that was kind of setting up for the whole part where I think it was like two nanoseconds after the king died. They're like, oh, yeah, let's go to war. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God wills it. And then blacksmith dude is like, okay, y'all are fucking idiots. You're you're just going to march off into the desert without a reliable source of water, even supply lines. And they're like, nah, we'll be good. And then they get their asses clapped and like nothing flat. I don't remember exactly how they said it, but it was along the lines of like, if I wanted the opinion of a blacksmith, I would have asked for one. And it's like, that's kind of going to what we were saying earlier, you know, like what does the blacksmith know about warfare and geopolitics? Yeah. Like you condescending ass. <laughs> He's right. Uh, no one listens to the blacksmith until it's too late. I loved like right at the beginning of the defense of Jerusalem when Orlando Bloom like knights every single male in the city. And uh, it was kind of like a retcon moment where, you know, it addresses the issue that we had, which is, oh, really? Does like a singular training scene and being knighted make you a warrior? Yes. And then there's there's the the preacher, bishop, whatever, who sees the knighting of everybody. And he like yells at Orlando Bloom. He's like, you think making someone a knight just makes them a better warrior? And he's like, yeah. And he just walks away. I'm like, oh, so that's the the logic we're going by in this movie. Yeah, I suppose when the uh, massive army's bearing down on you, you need all uh, all hands on deck. And what what was the size of this army that was bearing down on them? They said it was something ridiculous. I don't remember the size that they said it was in the movie. Let's see. Why is Google failing me? Oh, yeah. Did I tell you I got my hair dyed yesterday? No. Cool black. Cool black. Last time I got it dyed, I they went with warm black, and it made my hair look copper and light, which was no bueno. So, what I'm getting is like 30,000 guys for the first solid that's every man woman child and baby in my hometown times two just marching on jerusalem (laughs) now i'm wondering if the citizens of my hometown could take jerusalem today god no i mean god knows we have enough guns and rednecks i feel like the israelis are rather protective of uh jerusalem yes but facing the army in this movie i know that seems unfair but (laughs) oh you're thinking it don't give me that i just okay I mean, we well, don't, did, I don't, for all I know, we don't have any siege engines. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have any spare combines? Yes, actually. I don't know. I'm sure there's like, well, yeah, there's like a dealership and well, you know what to hell with it. I'm counting, I'm counting Fort Pier too. So I guess Pier and Fort Pier combined and then doubled because assuming we get access to said resources and i'm sure there's quite a few a shocking amount of people with explosives in pier man i'm gonna get us put on a watch list but i feel like everybody's on some sort of watch list well i hope our names are touching on the government watch list what did you think of the uh whole defense of jerusalem arc 
I liked it, but the end, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, for anyone that hasn't seen it, at the ending where he's just like, yep, we surrender. That, um, like, don't get me wrong, I commend him for knowing when a battle is lost and not wanting to waste any more lives and saving the lives of his men, right? But right. if you were a soldier in that army, wouldn't you feel like, hey, Fred kind of died for nothing if we were just going to surrender the whole time? I think the difference in that is that part of the terms was that they were granted safe passage versus prior to that deal, I think it was of the understanding that if Saladin took Jerusalem, that the city was going to get sacked. But it was just it was just a takeover after he surrendered, not so much a pillaging. I mean, don't get me wrong, and he they did do a lot of um reconfiguring with the holy symbols and whatnot. What was I gonna say? But I did like that scene where he just like what says what's Jerusalem worth and then Saladin said nothing walks 10 feet turns around everything <laughs> wait it's I a... lied to him now I feel bad no I mean it's a I think it's a, a valid point that could make a, it should make a lot of people think which is if depending on how you look at it like at the end of the day it is land and dirt and buildings but because of human nature we have attached significant importance to that place yeah so you could you could take the nihilistic approach and be like oh, it's not worth shit or you could take the symbolic nature symbolic philosophical approach which is like this is the the epicenter of everything and from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no like actual natural resource that's mined or mined or at least taken from Jerusalem, correct? Like there's no precious ores, even anything in the way of like crops or anything, right? Not not that I can really think of. I think it was like obviously the city was built there because in the general overall like area and climate it was more habitable than other places but i mean uh, most of the value to that city and location is associated with its uh religious purposes Which, again, we that's not natural. We ascribe it to Jerusalem ourselves. Right. And yeah, I, I guess I guess you could also argue that it's at a strategic point as well. That also makes it valuable. But no, it, its main source of strategic value is its symbolic value of it being the holy city. Yeah, for the three Abrahamic religions. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite scenes was, what, what was that um, old redheaded dickhead dude? I'm pretty sure he was played by the, ha the Hagrid actor. Let me look. His whole thing was, oh, if you want a war, I can get us a war. <laughs> I am what I am. Yeah, I am. I am what I am. <laughs> Commander Popeye. <laughs> I don't think it's Hagrid. Hag Hagrid? Brendan Gleeson. Ah. 
he was in say, his his death was uh was very unexpected and powerful it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's interesting to see like with most of the major characters we see the super philosophical side to everybody where they're like the man or a king can move a man da, 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 da. or you know solid is like i am not those men i am salahuddin but then you know he just like outright cuts reynald's throat because he uh he offered the, the like the chalice full of ice to another person and he handed it to <laughs> Reynald. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't meant for you. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well fuck you. <laughs> uh Brendan Gleason was also in the movie in Bruges. One of my favorite movies. He was also in uh was it Heart of the Ocean? Whatever movie was about the Moby Dick. And he, uh, I think, yeah, he was also in Banshees of Inshirin. Mm-hmm. A little Oscar Beatty, but I enjoyed it. No, this movie ha- had a, like, a pretty significant cast. Because we, we had... Orlando Bloom, we had Liam Neeson, apparently Edward Norton. Apparently. <laughs> uh Brendan Gleason. Um we had Remus Lupin. Yep. We also Jeremy Irons. Silence! They could not have made him look more evil if they tried. Like and he's supposed when to be he's a first guy. When he's first introduced, he's hunched over in the darkness with a scar over his eye, yelling at people in that snarly, dark voice of his. Get out! (laughs) But also, also, I was... Go ahead. We also have uh, Ava Green in it, too. Oh, that's right. She was the queen. I gotta say... like I get she's supposed to be the love interest and whatnot, but also she doesn't seem like a like a person worth going after. How so? I don't know. She she kind of just seems like a a bland person in this movie. She gets a bit more unhinged as it goes along, doesn't it? Or does she? she? Yeah, she she definitely has a a quick downward spiral after her brother dies, but <laughs> but this, uh, yeah. but she is also one of the reasons where we see that like even with all the philosophical talk you know man is man and will always do what is necessary for the retention of power because you know king baldwin has this long chat with bailey and he's like the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of conscious or nothing at all and it's like damn that's some that's like a mic drop moment right there. And then maybe like 45 minutes later, he's like, so I'm not long for this world. If we assassinate her current husband, will you marry her so that we have somebody we trust becoming king of Jerusalem? And he's and Orlando Bloom's like, no. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be the reason somebody gets executed. Yeah, that's that's a lot to ask. It's heavy, man. But as as I was going to say earlier, I think one of my favorite scenes in this movie is when Brendan Gleeson goes off and acts the fool and gets those people killed, potentially starting, well, starting a major conflict. And then when he comes back, Baldwin's rightfully pissed. And he takes off his leper glove and he's like, kiss my ring for forgiveness. And you just see it on Brendan Gleason's face. Like, excuse me. <laughs> Makes him kiss his gross ass leper hands. <laughs> then he beats the shit out of him. Like the amount of power that he actually wields, because 
yeah, you see that moment where he's like, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to kiss your leper hand. But the second he's like, oh, you're serious. He's like, oh, please, God, please forgive me. Did it like just like basically starts making out with his hand. <laughs> and then he gets, that was another yeah, I great I, moment. I think I saw some tongues. Bitch, yeah, him getting bitch slapped by Baldwin. Yeah. Man, I choose to believe that Edward Norton and Brendan Gleeson actually had a disagreement on set, and that was Edward Norton demanding forgiveness in character and then beating the shit out of Brendan Gleeson, and they just happened to take cash it on film. Apologize. Like, <laughs> apologize. Oh, this is good. Keep rolling. <laughs> and if I... If I recall correctly, wasn't the real King Baldwin blind at this part of his life because of the leprosy? Yeah, so this movie is highly dramatized. Like it's it I figured. A, yeah, it's it's based on true events. It's the events leading up right to the third crusade. Um at the point in this movie when Baldwin is bitch slapping Brendan Gleason. Uh, the actual King Baldwin uh, had lost feeling in like his hands and his feet uh, was blind um, was basically being carried around on a stretcher. And the other part of this that isn't ever shown or um, mentioned is that Sibylla, she had a, she had a kid and he was uh, Baldwin the fifth so like the last year or two of Baldwin the Fourth, the Leper King, he was co-ruling with Baldwin the Fifth, basically doing like on-the-job training for him. So the whole like, we need you to marry Sibylla and we'll execute her husband thing, like that is just a made-up plot line. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we got to stretch out the movie somehow and add more drama to it. Don't let the truth get in the way of telling a good story. It's one of the main things I learned in journalism. That seems highly cynical. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm of course being facetious. They really pounded it into us to be as ethical as possible. You know, no yellow journalism, no muckracking, never use anonymous sources. Yeah, well, Balian also swore an oath to always be upright and whatnot, but that, that didn't stop him from killing a whole bunch of people. I mean, shit happens, you know? <laughs> Jack, people died. <laughs> I loved, we all I get loved that to be, I loved like one of his initial reaction, like conversations with Liam Neeson, like when he's running away from the village because he just murdered somebody. And he's like, I want to come with you, but also just so you know, I, I've committed murder. And Liam Neeson's like, haven't we all? And just walks away. He's like, yeah, no, so? not all of us have. Please, we're already going to hire you. You don't need to try to convince us. <laughs> it's a minimum two felony requirement to even apply for us. <laughs> and that another scene I really liked was at the very end of the movie when he comes back to his hometown after all that time and his blacksmith shop or what's left of it. And he's just like walking around it smiling. And then Mr. Big man, Richard, the Lionheart comes out and he's like, yeah, let's go to war. Yeah. We're going to take the Holy land. It's going to be so awesome. We need your help. You want in? And he's like, yeah, good luck with that. Right. Also, could you imagine Sibylla, like, so Sibylla joins him, and she has been royalty her entire life. Could you imagine what that would have been like in reality, where this person who's lived the life of a queen, like, for decades, is like, I'm running away with the blacksmith, and then goes to some medieval poor village in France, where it's like, oh, this is... How you live, damn bitch! You live like this, <laughs> right? <laughs> A medieval version of that meme. 
also like you're just going to return to the exact same village are 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 we really going to sit here and believe that the village has forgotten who probably like the most notorious criminal that they've had to this point like the blacksmith who killed the priest and burnt down his own yeah. village <laughs> and then killed all of the like town's ch- sheriff law enforcement i like <laughs> yeah like there's definitely still some hurt feelings in that town to say the very least <laughs> yeah someone tells me they don't care about your exploits in the holy land um i know i'm getting off topic again but you've seen at have you seen ad astra well that uh-huh. i kind of want to add well whatever we'll talk about it but I was going to say, spoiler alert, there's a part. So the main plot of this movie is this dude's dad is missing, presumably dead. But then years later, they get um, readings from where his ship went missing. And they're like, oh, hey, your dad might be still alive. And, you know, he travels from planet to planet. And before I go even further, let me just add that this is one of three movies that I got tricked into seeing that was literally just Heart of Darkness. All the same plot points, a lot of dangers, same plot structure. Anyway, so that's, that's kind of final... like the that's kind of like the analogy that Harry Potter is just British works. anime. That or what, what is it? Star Wars is science fiction harry potter it's it's the hero's journey it's the best way i've heard it described is british naruto like it has all the cliches and hallmarks of a shonen anime but god damn it more on that later i'm getting off topic on off topic (laughs) damn you (laughs) anyway at the final leg of the journey They're like, oh, sorry, you can't come along. We're not going to allow you on this spaceship. We're going to send these three guys, these four guys instead. So he's like, you know what? Fuck that. And he sneaks onto the ship as it's launching. And they like figure it out and they try to get him off. But the other four inadvertently end up dying. And he just essentially hijacks this multi-million dollar spaceship to go see his dad. And events transpire. He meets his dad, played by um, Tommy Lee Jones. And his dad dies on the way back. And then it smash cuts to him back on Earth. And he's just sitting in a bar drinking whiskey. No. Okay, no. His ass would be in Leavenworth. (laughs) Like, he admittedly... Uh, Time heals all wounds. He didn't directly kill those four people, mind you, but he very much caused their death. And I doubt the military cares. And this is on top of stealing one of the, a very, very expensive piece of military equipment to go see his dad after he was put into custody, which he escaped from. No, like his ass has been the brig. Did they just forget? And this kind of comes back to the a goldfish memory of his village (laughs) about how they kind of forget that he killed his brother, burned down his place of business and then got a bunch of law enforcement people killed. (laughs) Maybe it's like the the Skyrim uh, analogy where it's like you walk into any tavern. It's like, hello there traveler. It's like, there's just a stack of bodies outside. Sometimes they will, um, remember you because i've had guards say like wait a minute i remember you and then arrest you or attack you which is a nice a nice feature admittedly but it's sometimes really annoying (laughs) can't i commit a little crime as a treat (laughs) isn't that the only reason to play open world games exactly just to get a little silly every now and again unless you're playing assassin's creed then oh you killed a civilian yeah, they, I'm going to get desynchronized. <laughs> uh, I have thoughts about Assassin's Creed, but this is not the time nor podcast for that. Um, I was severely so, disappointed not to see Altair in this movie. Very. 
No, actually, he was in the movie, didn't you see? He was in the group of priests praying. You probably didn't notice him. Oh, that's right. See, he, uh, see what I did there? Yep, he, blend, <laughs> Thanks. he blended in. I'm quite hilarious. But, yeah, Altair, Altair blends in with um, priests and whatnot. His descendant <laughs> blends in with hookers. <laughs> uh and then yeah this this movie kind of drug out but you know two and a half hours i knew what i was getting into yeah it did seem like a long movie but it there were so many moments and scenes in this movie that you're like okay this was worth the wait yeah there's a lot of (laughs) shit build up my my absolute so I have two favorite moments. The one is the philosophical moment we already talked about with the chess. Uh, but the second one is during the siege of Jerusalem when all the siege machines are, are rolling up. And it's like the, the siege towers and the battering ram. And you see all the uh, trebuchets firing off. And I'm like, damn, this is impressive. Yeah, where it's just like darkness. And then you see them light up. <laughs> right <laughs> and but the scene that really got me was the one where it's like a pitched battle at the very top of the walls and uh like in a heated moment like liam or not liam neeson uh orlando bloom almost dies but is able to like fend off his attackers and he just yells out fire and you see a bunch of just like grappling hooks attack the <laughs> the uh, siege towers and then they and like, pull them over yeah they all fall over like dominoes and it was i i laughed in that scene because it reminded me of when we watched 300 with the like mushroom cloud like explosion in the background <laughs> with xerxes moment and this just reminded me of that where it's like you could just imagine saladin in that moment being like god damn it <laughs> foiled again <laughs> <laughs> and yeah the whole them throwing those firebombs down on it after it was collapsed that that was just salt in the wound man <laughs> what i will say is i i enjoyed this movie but it definitely seems like it's it was kind of an end to a genre and I don't know if that's necessarily fair um, because there's been plenty, you know, I would describe this as a swords and sandals film and swords and sandals films have been made since this film. And you could argue that 300 is a swords and sandals film, but not, not really. I mean, 300 is, is more of a comic book movie than anything, but I mean the true, like we have thousands and thousands of actors doing these giant ancient battles on these like huge set pieces with a cast of just like dozens of big name actors in them. This feels like it was the last good one of this genre, but also it wasn't good enough to continue the genre, if you will, because I mean, after this movie came out, there was like Immortals or the like Wrath of the Titans remake. 300. Um, Yeah. And they're all set in the same time period or more, more mythological. But we, we don't really get movies like this or like Troy anymore. We did have, well, okay, it was a while ago, but we had that Robin Hood movie that was kind of similar to this, a medieval war epic. I mean, the, it, but the medieval was, war epic side of it really was only in the beginning of that film. No, there's like that big battle towards the end, right? Because it was all about how he, how he became the outlaw, not so much his exploits as an outlaw. This This film, to me, just seems like the the death rattle of the swords and sandals <laughs> genre 
and it it really is a product of its time because that you're right that absolutely was a big thing in the 2000s the historical epic be it the siege of jerusalem and mind you lord of the rings is not historical unless it actually happened but that's for another podcast but you earth zero we're going too deep man we're gonna get shut down we're not supposed to know all of this but yeah you you get where i'm coming from where it's a medieval-esque fantasy epic not a not so much a historical epic but yes and and i don't even know if i can call it swords and sandals more like swords and boots sword and boot epic because when I hear swords and sandals, I think ancient Greece, Rome. Right. You think, you think gladiator, you think Troy. Um, 300. Right. Which is all the more confusing to me because it's like, so this movie was directed by Ridley Scott and Ridley Scott also did gladiator. Um. And I recently saw somewhere that he's looking to make a gladiator too. And I'm like, why just dude, have you seen his proposed plot for gladiator two? It is certifiably insane. Was it and zombie I... Marcus Aurelius? Oh, it raises gets, oh, an army of the dead. Like, oh, it's better than that. Um, so the idea was to have Marcus Aurelius resurrect, but in different conflicts throughout history. And one of the resurrections was him as a Marine us Marine in Vietnam, but he survives that. And he later becomes a commanding general in the fucking Pentagon. (laughs) And like, that is so certifiably insane. I want to see it so bad. I am. I make no illusions that it is in any way a great movie, but just to see how batshit he makes it. I just not everything needs a sequel. I know. <laughs> I Imagine know. if there was an Apollo thirteen point five. <laughs> the the story NASA doesn't want you to know. <laughs> makes me think of did you ever see the movie apollo 18 no but i've heard about it it's like the tagline is like the reason we never went back yeah so apollo 18 is like the secret mission to the moon where we find like a killer alien and it's just nonsense ensues but the nonsense ensues What are you uh, drinking tonight? I was drinking some peach tea, but I've drank all of my peach tea. Fair. I'm on the wagon again. Any particular reason why? Felt like it. Fair enough. Yeah, I felt like it. Yeah, it's just something I feel like everyone should do every once in a while. I did make an exception for when Johnny Hardwick died this week. God rest his soul. Yeah. Our listeners may not know that name, but you know him by his voice, Dale Gribble. Yeah. I watched some Dale centric episodes and had a beer in his honor. That's what he would have liked. At least I think that's what he would have liked. I think so. I am currently drinking the finest Stella Rosa has to offer. Ooh, fancy. I know. Getting too bougie for us. I feel like wine was appropriate for this episode. (laughs) Yeah, red wine. I do like red wine. If the ocean were red wine and I were a duck... I'd swim to the bottom and never come up. I, no, 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 don't, don't, don't snap for that. I stole it from a song called Rye Whiskey. Rye Whiskey, Rye Whiskey, Rye Whiskey, I cry. 
If I don't get rye whiskey, then I surely will die. die. If the ocean were rye whiskey and I were a duck, I'd swim to the bottom and never come up. Beautiful. Yeah, I know. I have quite a hell of a voice, really. I've been told I should go out for musicals, but I don't know if I want to. Well, if Pierre ever does a rendition of Cannibal the Musical, I think you should. Oh, absolutely. I really should finish that movie sometimes. It's delightful. I bet I got distracted. Better Hamilton. We, um, Pierre players did a, what the hell is that called? The the Man from La Mancha a couple years ago, and it was amazing. What I'm sure we did another musical that I can't think of. But man, that that was quite the spectacle. Imagine if this movie was a, was a musical. <laughs> Jerusalem the musical. <laughs> I stabbed you. <laughs> I am what? what I am would be a great song. What's your what is the worth of Jerusalem? Nothing. Everything. <laughs> Take it away, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> Take it away, Remus Loop. Oh, wait, he's dead. <laughs> oh, another thing I liked in this movie was the part when he knows the army's bearing down on him. So he like has the help go out and make piles of rocks and paint them white at certain intervals. So he knows when to start the uh, trebuchet bombardment and he knows when to start the arrow volley. Which like again, the, that's I like just... the part in that scene where the soldiers in Saladin's army like passes yeah. the rocks and they kind of look down like, what the fuck? <laughs> they don't like kick him over or anything. <laughs> They're respectful. And, um, but this goes back to the point of this is blacksmithing 101, knowing how to <laughs> wage a siege. Every blacksmith knows this for some reason. <laughs> you never know Absolutely. when it might come in handy. So um, this brings up an interesting point. Do you have a skill or just a random bit of knowledge that you taught yourself just in case? That I taught myself just in case? Yeah, for a very, very specific circumstance. Like, for instance, Frank, good buddy of mine, he knows how to play the piano but he also knows how to play like uh, 30s and 40s swing music, like the, you know, the ragtime up um, fast paced music on a piano. And he said he learned it just in case a gangster holds him at gunpoint and says, play some piano. <laughs> I, I hate to break it to you, Frank. I don't think that was going to happen. I, I'm glad that he's ready, though. <laughs> I'm glad that he's prepared. <laughs> no i can't say i've ever done any kind of uh preparation like that i i do have skills i just nothing of that nature i also once tricked him into playing the song the merry-go-round broke down if you don't know the name of that song you probably know it as the looney tunes theme song and he, he like played it really dun, slow dun, dun, at dun, first. Dun, 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 dun. And I was like, no, no, you got to play it faster. And he played it a bit faster. I was like, no, no, faster. Good times. So I think it's about time we uh, rated this film. What was it? So before I continue, what's our agreed rating? Because I've got my pro proposition, but I want to hear yours. Mm. I would say cups of ice in the desert. 
I I was gonna say painted piles of rocks. <laughs> I like yours better. I don't know how invested I was in this movie, other than the memes and the funniness, and I guess the grand spectacle of the final battle. And um, I'm gonna give this two painted piles of rocks out of five or point five, but one. No, three piles of painted rocks, but one of them's knocked over. Okay. So, uh, actually, let's hear yours. I think I would give this four piles of rocks, but one of the piles of rocks are not painted, so you can't really see it. (laughs) I think there's a lot of great dialogue in this movie, and I think there's a lot of great fight scenes, but it is a long movie. It is kind of drawn out, and there there are parts that I wish that were in this that aren't, and there are things in here that I'm like, this is pointless to me. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it the essentially three and a half rating, or three and one quarter um all right let's see what rotten tomatoes says so it has a 39 percent critic rating but a 72 percent audience score it's a pretty pretty big yeah, spread between honestly the audience and critics 33 percent and i'm gonna do that uh thing i usually do where I'd meet in the middle. So let's see, this is just some math. I'm not good at it. 52% is the about midpoint 52-53. But I don't know if I'd even give it that. And I hate myself for saying this, but I think I got to go with the critics on this one. I think... I wonder if the proximity of this film to the war in Iraq had anything to do with it. Cause we were, we were two years out from toppling uh, or we were two years post toppling Saddam at this point. I forgot to bring that up earlier. Actually, it does seem like a, I don't want to say the P word, but propaganda. At first, at least, but then they actually say, you know, this fight's pointless and then leave. I think the main market for this movie probably was not ready to see Islamic culture in a positive light yet. Considering we were, like, still in the heat of pitched battle with them in Iraq and Afghanistan. So... I, I'd have to imagine that it had some sort of impact on the initial viewership and ratings of it. Yeah, it it came out uh, during a very tumultuous time. I can't remember if America was on the, the downside, like... I can't remember if America had really turned on the war in Iraq at this point yet, but it still seems like it would have been a pretty contentious time for this film to come out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, certainly. It's complicated. Yeah. So that was Kingdom of Heaven. God was it! Desvolt. What is your choice for next week? Um, some of you may have heard of it. I don't want to call it an obscure movie, but it's more well-known than that. Uh, it's called When the Wind Blows. And I see you Googling, don't fucking do that. <laughs> I, want, I want to watch this movie with you, and I want you to go in as naked as possible. God damn it, you looked it up, didn't you? I just wanted to see when it came out. 1980 something. Uh, okay. It's an animated f- movie, but rest assured it is a war movie. Okay. I will, I will okay. trust you on that. 
finally <laughs> i gained his trust did everyone hear that i want that out there for the record that i finally have john's trust boy i can't wait to squander that <laughs> may i inquire which conflict this movie is about oh you'll see you'll see i know i'm being cryptic but it'll make sense when we watch it okay okay <laughs> okay <laughs> Well, I think I've bedeviled John enough from this. Fair enough. So if you enjoyed the show, please leave a review. The stars do matter. If you want additional content from us, we are over on Instagram and Facebook at the Armchair Commanders podcast. We also have a YouTube channel called under the name of History Apprentice. Do you have anything else, Jack? Uh, no, I do not. Alrighty. Well, we've greatly appreciated you all joining us and listening. And until next time, I've been John. And I'm Jack. We'll catch you next week. Say it, God damn it. Oh, bye. <laughs>